Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films, like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you, maybe we never blow your mind, maybe we never give you goosebumps, <laughs> but hopefully you just have a good time listening. So tonight we are continuing our entering gateway horror theme with, if you haven't guessed it yet, the 2015 film Goosebumps. So... This was directed by Rob Letterman, who did some work in animation before directing. His debut film was Shark Tale. He also did Monsters vs. Aliens and Gulliver's Travels before this. Then went on to do Detective Pikachu. <laughs> so, so, so he's worked a lot in kids' films, uh, which was probably kind of what you know drew him to the project yeah, or probably. got him hired for it either way the film was written by darren lemke also a director who wrote and directed a film called lost not the tv show that you're thinking of something else <laughs> uh, he also wrote shrek forever after and the film turbo so he also had a history in in uh, children's animation films whatever and it, the script is, of course, based on Arl Stein's book series, which began in 1992 and ran for a very long time until the and also had a 1995 TV series that we'll we'll probably talk about both of those a little bit as we go through this. But the film stars Jack Black as R.L. Stein. Black studied at UCLA where he was part of Tim Robbins' acting troupe, which led to his film debut, Bob Roberts. Uh, he's had a robust career just appearing in a ton of shit <laughs> ever since then, and including films like The Cable Guy, Mars Attacks, The Jackal. Uh, he was the voice of Zeke in Ice Age. He's been in King Kong, Tenacious D, which also features his band that he's in and that has done a lot of scores for various things. And let's see, the film also has Dylan Minnette as Zach, who started off in TV with an appearance in Two and a Half Men, where I believe he played the young Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Uh, uh, he he was also in Lost, uh, appeared in the film Let Me In, Prisoners, Arl Stein's The Haunting Hour, which probably led to this job. Yeah. You probably know him best maybe recently from Don't Breathe or the new Scream film where he played Wes. Oh, yeah. Uh, the film also has Odea Rush as Hannah, who was actually born in Israel. Uh, she started in TV with the appearance in Law & Order. Uh, then appeared in the film We Are What We Are, which I don't remember well, but I think I do remember her por performance being pretty great in that. She's since done the film's Lady Bird and was recently in Uma, uh, which was decent, creepy enough, you know, good door story. Yeah. And lastly, it has Ryan Lee as Champ, who first appeared in an episode of Friday Night Lights. His first big role, I believe, was the film Super 8. Uh, he was also in Arl Stein's The Haunting Hour, which again, probably yep. led to this. <laughs> and uh, he was also recently in the film, uh, the horror film Black Friday with Bruce Campbell and Devin Sala, which 
isn't as good as I think it could have been, but it's still a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. Decent decent Christmas horror movie, or, or November horror movie, whatever you want to call it. For those of you that have not seen Goosebumps, it is essentially about this kid named Zach who moves to a new town and discovers that his neighbor is R.L. Stein, playing, you know, played by Jack Black, basically playing R.L. Stein, who is this, you know, author that has written this whole series of Goosebumps. And what he ultimately discovers is that Stein has essentially locked away all of his monsters which he has created in their separate books and Zack accidentally opens one of these books which leads to a whole bunch of <laughs> monsters being released on the town and then it's up to Zack and Stein and his new friends to stop them so bum 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 so the film is not unfortunately streaming so if you can rent it before listening to this we are going to spoil everything uh, if you're a fan of Goosebumps, I think it's worth the rental. I'm not sure it would appeal to everyone who's like a diehard <laughs> horror fan if you're not really feeling a kid's horror movie. It is very much a kid's horror movie. Very much a kid's horror film. <laughs> which, which is not a criticism for no. me. You know, I, I love a lot of kid's horror films, but I'm just saying, like, don't expect hardcore horror or anything. Yep. <laughs> so we are going to spoil it, but first we have our brief little bit of spoiler-free content, so we'll let you know when we're getting into spoilers. So, as usual, just our tagline versus the film and what we think of the movie overall. So... The tagline for Goosebumps was, the stories are alive. <laughs> so what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of Goosebumps overall? Uh, basic tagline, but it works for the movie, so I'm not mad about Listen, it. Listen, I think they missed an opportunity here, all right? Because <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know why the tagline isn't like, viewer beware, you're in for a scare or something like that, you know, which I, I think the Goosebumps TV show might have had. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if, if that was in that or if I'm making that up in my head right now. But yeah, totally missed opportunity. Yeah, I mean, Man wants a Goosebumps reference in the tagline. Well, I'm just saying Goosebumps had a great ref, you know, Goosebumps itself had a great tagline with like, reader beware, you're in for a scare. Like, that's what all the books said, you know, it's like, come on, you couldn't, you couldn't come up with something better than, than the fucking, the stories are alive. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be very animated during this episode, if you can't tell. Goosebumps mean a lot to me. Do you used to tra trade action figures for Goosebumps books? I did, yes. When I was a kid on the bus, my parents didn't really buy me a lot of books, but I had action figures. And and I the thing was, is I would go through these Goosebumps books very quickly, you know. And my, par and my parents couldn't really keep up with it, and I wanted to read all of them, so... You know, it was kind of dumb, in a sense, because the action figures themselves cost more than the books. I mean, I think... I think back in the early 90s, if I remember right, Goosebumps books were like three bucks or something. You know, they weren't expensive. But I was trading like $10, $15 action figures for Goosebumps books on the bus because I wanted to read the next one. You know, I wanted to read the other ones and I didn't have them. So Did your library not carry them? Well, I didn't get a chance to go to the library very often because um. my parents had to drive me. My parents were lazy. So. What about your school library? I don't remember my school library having them but, you know, I did occasionally get to order them through the Scholastic. Fuck, the which, book fair? The book fair, yeah, which I don't know if kids have those anymore. I like, hope you do, because otherwise that's sad. Yeah, I hope they do, too. I don't think they do, though, because everything's <gasps> online now, you know? So, like, they're probably just downloading books if they read at all, you know? And so, <laughs> so I, I don't know. But, yeah, we used to get these flyers in as kids where you would just have, like, pages and pages of books that you could order through Scholastic, and it was fucking great. And I would always look forward to whatever the new Goosebumps books was going to be. And the other thing that was great, too, and I think they do still do these in some places in, in, the, in the country, but 
Uh, we also used to have a bookmobile that would come through my neighborhood. Oh, that's uh, I th- cool. I think like once a month, and I would look forward to it every month because they always had Goosebumps <laughs> books. And so you would basically just like rent the book from the bookmobile and then return it a month later. So that's also where I read a lot of them. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, I could bike to my library, so. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I uh, books everywhere. Yeah, our library was not close enough for me to bike, unfortunately. <laughs> so. Uh, for me, I never read any of the Goosebumps books. I uh, am in prefer- so uncultured. I know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, in preparation for this this episode, I did try to watch some of the Goosebumps TV series, and I read through part of one of the books, but I got distracted. You did? Which one? I read through part of the the Slappies book. I already forgot what the title of the book Night is. Night of the Living Dummy. <laughs> yes, but going going back to the actual film that we're supposed to be talking about, for me personally, I think that this is a really just fun kids film. And I think it's interesting to know as we're talking about some of this gateway horror is I personally feel like there's a difference between a kid's film and an all ages film. Like, of course. Yeah, for me, like Hocus Pocus, Paranorman, those are all ages films. It's fun for any age range. But with this Goosebumps, it is very much geared towards a younger audience. And I think that that's both a, a positive and a negative mm. because it can cause some of the characters to feel more like character, like. It can cause some of the characters to feel more like caricatures instead of like fully fleshed people. Mm. But then there's still like funny little moments. I haven't decided though how I feel about Jack Black's fucking accent as R.L. Stein. He, if I remember correctly, he says that he was trying to mix a little bit of like Orson Welles in there, which I can see. Uh-huh. I, I like Jack Black's portrayal. It is very different from R.L. Stein. Oh, like yeah. if you've ever seen, you know, R.L. Stein appears on some of the Goosebumps episodes. And mm-hmm. if you've ever seen him do interviews, he's a very like quiet, reserved person. And look, that just was not going to work for this movie. So. No. <laughs> Uh, so, so Jack Black definitely took it in a different direction, which I appreciate. You know, mm-hmm. kind of, I, I, I enjoy the sort of like manic, <laughs> it's very sort of intense. like psychotic personality that he brings to Stein. It, it is intense, but yep. I mean that's Jack Black, and that actually makes him funny, right? So no, but I, but I agree with you in terms of like you know all ages versus just for kids, and the, I, I don't know if I would say that this movie isn't an all ages film though, because you know I, I do think that it works. Mm-hmm in some ways for adults like adults can enjoy it for sure it's just that you know i my issue with it was that okay so when goosebumps was first announced that it was going to be a film you know i was incredibly excited because because i i had been wanting to film forever and at the time we didn't know how it was going to happen and so my kind of like dream <laughs> you know as as someone looking for as a goosebumps fan was that you know, it would be like an adaptation of one of the novels. Mm -hmm. And then if that was successful, maybe we could continue to get feature films based on the books, right? Because the show is great, but you only get, you know, 20 minutes, 40 minutes at best because they would do two-parters sometimes as well. You'd get a very short amount of time with those episodes. They're books, you know, you want to see them fully fleshed out. So that's what I was looking forward to. And actually, you know, there was a period where where George Romero was actually uh, sort of developing an adaptation of Stein's first Goosebumps book, wh- which was Welcome to Dead House, which is perfect because that mm-hmm. one involves zombies and ghouls and whatever. And and that kind of fell through, you know, unfortunately. So I would so, have liked to see Romero do a kid's film. Oh, it would have been great. I, I, awesome. I, I think he could have pulled it off and it would have been awesome to see. And plus, Welcome to Dead House is kind of one of the scarier Goosebumps books as well because it was the first one and so the tone was a bit darker before Stein kind of lightened up a little bit <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah and then and then you know I eventually saw the film and we'll talk more about this as we go through but like you know for me I think that 
the disappointment at first was that it, it had lost all of the fear factor of Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the film version is very much a safe, comedic, we're just going to have fun kind of take on it. Yeah. Which I'm fine with because ultimately it's not a movie made for me. You know, it's mm-hmm. a movie made for the next generation of Goosebumps kids to, to get them out and read the books. And that's that's really all I care about at the end of the day, you know, is that yeah. these is that it's inspiring a new group, uh, a new generation of kids to go read these books mm-hmm. and, and maybe go back and watch the show, you know? And, you know, it, it's it's just, it's a symptom of, of the time that we live in because, you know, when, when you compare some of the, the TV show episodes to the film, like, look, we, we were just a more hardcore <laughs> generation for kids' horror stuff in the 90s, all right? Mm-hmm. And, and especially the 80s, like we talked about The Gate last week. You know, that, that was back at a time where, like, it was okay to scare kids. And yeah. I feel like we've kind of gotten into this point where it's like, nah, you know, we're going we're gonna to veer off a little away from that and just make it fun and safe, you know? So it's two different takes on it. Uh, I wish it had kept the kind of spooky factor. I think it loses a little bit of what Goosebumps was which is a scary but comfortable introduction to horror, mm-hmm. you know, and turns it more into a comedy. So. This is more of a coming-of-age movie that happens to have monsters. Well, that's what all Goosebumps books were, though. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all coming-of-age stories that have monsters. Oh, I would <laughs> say that the Goosebumps stuff is is monster books that happen to have a coming-of-age storyline. No, 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 I disagree. <laughs> no, the, the Goosebumps books were always about kids kind of facing childhood fears and and coming of age and kind of growing Mm -hmm. up like it it was always about kids learning things you know which the best you know stories geared towards kids do is it's kind of about like growing up in a lot of ways uh the books were always about that and and that's and that was part of stein's genius is he was actually really good at achieving a lot of that uh well telling a scary story you know, the the film, I think, just kind of took all of the scary out of it <laughs> yeah. and, and just ultimately made a fun, you know, goofy movie, which yeah. which works. It just kind of depends on what you want from it. So. Yeah, if you want a fun, goofy movie, then, like, Goosebumps is perfect for that. Right. And, and, I mean, it's also the reason why, you know, I don't think we'll mention this later, why the end credits are actually my favorite part of the movie because... <laughs> <laughs> They're the scariest part of it. Well, well, I just, I just love all the animated visuals of the Goosebumps covers, which were always really well designed and and were a big part of why those books were so popular. You know, because the art always drew you in. Yeah, like some great artwork on those books, and you know, so it's just really fun to kind of see this movie and see all of those designs recreated in the end credits, and you also just kind of sit there and be like, "Yep, those were creepy." (laughs) I wish the movie had been. But okay, we're not we're not going to completely diss the movie here. So no. so move, moving into spoilers. So again, if you have not seen it, please go check it out. Rent it first. I'm going to spoil everything for you. Uh, but getting into spoilers, spoiler time. So let's just start off with continuing this conversation of how do you feel about this as an adaptation of Goosebumps? I know you haven't read the books. You've seen some of the show. So just your familiarity with Goosebumps compared to what we got out of the movie. How do you feel about it? So it's interesting for me because, you know, we watched the movie the two times, and then I read part of Night of the Living Dummy and watched some of the TV show after we watched it. And that's when it really hit home for me that this movie was missing some of the the creepy factor that you got with the original series, even with the television series. 
Um, and I think that the most interesting part of it is like there's a moment in the movie where um, R.L. Stein, Jack Black, is breaking down how a story should go, and he mm. goes, "You have the the beginning, the middle, and the twist," and that seems to me seems to be at least from my very brief perspective to be the really integral part of a lot of the Goosebumps story. Oh yeah, they always had some kind of twist. Yeah, and I feel like as far as the Goosebumps adaptation goes, that's really what this movie is missing. It's got monsters, it's got some cool creepy parts, and it's got some twists in it. But like some of the episodes that I watched of Goosebumps, like you get to the last like minute and it gives you a twist that completely sets the entire story on its head. Yeah. Um, the, well, so, so yeah. I mean, I think that's that, the only thing I noticed. <laughs> well, well, that's your that's a you problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, in this film, you know, of course the the twist, mm -hmm. right, quote unquote, is is that Hannah turns out to be one of the stories, the mm -hmm. the ghost next door, you know, which is which is itself a great book. The so what she's based on is actually a ghost story. Uh, in which it's about this kid who thinks that her new neighbor and their family are ghosts, and then it turns out in the end that it's actually her and her family who are the ghosts. You know, so I love that you know which story she references. Of course I do. I grew <laughs> this shit was my jam growing <laughs> up. All right, like <laughs> goosebumps were my life. I mean, I mean seriously, like I I owe so much of my love of horror to Goosebumps because you know I grew up obviously interested in books and reading you know and i read things like uh, where the wild things are and all that kind of stuff but goosebumps was sort of like my stepping stone between those kids books and into stuff like stephen king and dean Koontz and those authors you know mm -hmm. so so goosebumps like took up years of my life where that was all i read i, I read all of them and i love them and so you know that's kind of where i got a lot of my interest in horror and my own sort of approach to horror in my writing from you know is kind of like these stories and everything so uh so yeah no i'm obsessed um <laughs> <laughs> love it but but no uh what the hell is he saying so you know so that that's the twist in this movie mm -hmm. but but my <laughs> it's kind of funny because my my argument uh towards what doesn't necessarily work in the film for me is that it's very cool as a Goosebumps fan to see so many of the books monsters brought to life in one film. Mm -hmm. Like, like there's definitely a a ah oh, neat you know kind of factor to this, especially if you're a fan. But it doesn't make for a good movie because yeah. you know because Slappy ends up being the villain of the film more or less, but. But it, you know, you have everybody else running around at the same time. Well, well, it's kind of like a minor villain, and you know, to me, it almost reminds me of like imagine if the first Jurassic Park movie had just put every goddamn dinosaur that ever existed into the movie. You say this and, like it's a bad thing. <laughs> well, but again, it's that sort of thing of like, okay, that's cool, mm -hmm. but you end up with this super bloated movie. Like, how do you fit every fucking dinosaur into the film? And not just have it feel like overload, you know? It, yeah. Like, there's a very thin line to walk between uh, suspense and things kind of gelling well. 
to just throw in a bunch of crap and to make it, you know, seem cool, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, obviously, a dinosaur movie with every dinosaur ever is cool. My dream. But it doesn't make it a good movie, you know? So. Fair enough. And I'm not uh, one to have particularly good taste, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to argue with you there. So, so, you know, so, so, so that was kind of my issue with the film is that we, we get so much that it's almost like overload. And that's part of where you lose the creep factor, you know, because part of the – Part of the horror is, like, the discovery of the horror, right? Yeah. And when you just have a bunch of shit on leash going crazy, like, it kind of takes that away, and it makes it more of, like, this sort of wild, wacky adventure, right? Yeah. Uh, which, again, is fine. It's just not very goosebumps to me. Yeah. I can understand that. I think, for me, that causes an issue with where I have problems with the movie. Because, again, I think that this is a really fun kids' film, but as an adult watching this, the thing that I kind of wish they did a little bit better was developing the characters a little bit more and the relationships a little bit more yeah i mean that's kid stuff for you though because ki kids don't need a they don't need their life story they just need basic themes of like zach is sad <laughs> zach likes a girl <laughs> zach and girl like each other <laughs> and that's very true and that's that's what puts this for me in the realm of kind of more kids film than all ages because mm. there's other you know gateway horror that we're going to talk about paranormal and hocus pocus where our characters are really well developed yeah. um we really get to spend time and all the relationships really make sense and they don't feel forced and that's like my only thing with this movie is that like it's wacky and it's fun and there's a lot of just like really fun silly moments with you know the monsters and how these kids kind of interact with each other but again they kind of just feel like caricatures like yeah i mean a lot of that though is on the writer and director because you know yeah. i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like look no offense to rob letterman but i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like i'm a big fan of rob letterman you know yeah. <laughs> like like i don't believe it or not i don't watch Gul gulliver's travels every month so <laughs> you don't i shocking i know um but you know but I see what you're saying, and, and that's definitely, you know, an issue for, for maybe an older fan of Goosebumps approaching mm -hmm. this film. But, but you know, but there are things, like, aside from missing that sort of creep factor, and look, I mean, Chris and I have been revisiting the TV series. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is honestly amazing the contrast between a 1995 cheap kids show, and it was cheap. Yep. Uh, although the practical effects are, are very cool Great. in a lot of the episodes. Um <laughs> you know, it's amazing the contrast between that and the movie because some of those episodes are legitimately scary. You know, still yeah. to this day to me, like The Haunted Mask, which was one of my favorite Goosebumps books, mm -hmm. uh, is legitimately a terrifying episode. Yes. It's very well done. And, and you know, the last night I was watching uh, – <laughs> I was going to bed because I'm an old <laughs> man and Chris was up doing work and watching Goosebumps stuff and out in the living room. And so I was in bed – uh, watching the Goosebumps episode, The Werewolf Fever Swamp, which of shocker was another one of my favorites. Of course, and and like, well, it's well, it's corny and all that, you know. Uh, there there are legitimately frightening moments in that episode where when the werewolves introduced, like it it really is just attacking these people, and <laughs> and you see it like standing up on the building, like clawing at the building, it's it just ravenous as fuck, you know. And and it's really well directed in having you know the point of view of the werewolf chasing after them and it's it's very it's 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 frightening especially if you're a kid right yeah and so the contrast is just so different uh with how the film is approached but look we're not going to sit your bashing the <laughs> film the whole time we actually we actually have real stuff to talk about with it so. <laughs> um the so the other quick thing i'll say about it as an adaptation is the thing i do appreciate is that they have a lot of fun with it so yes. like i can't i can't say that that uh 
I can't say that Letterman and Lemke are like huge fans of Goosebumps. I have no idea, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and based on their approach to it, I'm not sure that they were. But I, I think that they have a lot of fun with it because it is, you know, I do have a good time watching this movie and catching all the little references to the books. Mm-hmm. You know, like when Zach first breaks into the house, he walks by this cuckoo clock, you know, huge reference to cuckoo clock of doom (laughs) and then and then there's also you know he walks by and there's like a a little egyptian statue in a case which is revenge of the mummy you know like it's so so it's really fun catching all these little references they Mm -hmm. definitely had a good time throwing all this stuff into the movie all the little easter eggs just for you all little easter eggs just for (laughs) us nerds who grew up on goosebumps (laughs) goosebumps aficionados Uh, exactly so um but, but let's talk about our characters here, you know, since you have such an issue with them. So, <laughs> so, so you know, we do have Zach, and we meet Hannah, who is R.L. Stein's daughter. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, right away, Zach's like, hey, I just moved in, baby. You know? <laughs> uh, I feel like it's very much not like that, but... It's exactly like that. No. Um, oh, oh, Zach and Hannah... So for me with Zach and Hannah, I I like the relationship because on the one hand, it is very like quintessential, you know, kids film relationship where you have the adventurous one and you have kind of the scaredy cat because Hannah is the one who's really willing to like go out and live life. And look, I fucking love Hannah because she's just so much snark in such a small package. Oh, she's great. I love yeah. that her introduction to him is making fun of his hat. Yes, I'm <laughs> I'm very convinced that it is love at first snark instead of love at first sight because Oh, uh, just how we met. <laughs> yeah. It is. Oh. Yep. We're a kids film. We're we're a very bad kids film. We're a very bad kids film. <laughs> kids would be banned from watching our movie. <laughs> It's I, I like their relationship a lot because a lot of what we're dealing with in this film is that Zach's dad has died and he has kind of closed himself off to the world. And so it's really interesting to watch these two kids who, on Hannah's side, has probably never had a fucking friend in her life because R.L. Stein has just locked well, her not, way in the house. Probably. She, she's not allowed to leave the house. Like, she definitely has not had real friends. <laughs> okay, yeah, but we also know that, like, even though R.L. Stein has forbidden her from leaving the house, Hannah's just like, cool, you're asleep, motherfucker. I'm going it, out. <laughs> it, do, it doesn't matter. She's not a cat. She's not, like, she's not, like, sneaking out in the middle of the night and meeting other cats and getting down, you know? Like, she's, she's she, you know, she's a kid. Like, she, she does, she's not allowed to go hang out with friends. She, yeah. You know, the, the only time she gets to ever even see other people is when she's getting out of the house at like midnight you know so (laughs) you don't want to meet the other kids who are getting out of the house at midnight maybe not i don't know (laughs) i am but i do i do kind of like watching their relationship i don't think that it's a good one i don't think that the two actors necessarily have chemistry to make it a good romance i think that it's just kind of like works for the normal thing that we're used to seeing like okay they meet and now suddenly they have crushes on each other even though there's been nothing to set up why they They are kids are you kidding me (laughs) that's all kids needed when we were 16 like oh you're cute i have a crush on you like it's not (laughs) i might be the worst person to analyze this part of it (laughs) i i mean you are for sure like you just don't get it i don't get it i don't um, understand seeing someone and then going you know what i'm gonna break into her fucking house well and see that's a little bit far like (laughs) 
Like, like I, I don't blame Zach at all for, you know, his first meeting of Hannah because she is snarky to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that worked for you. And, and that's hot. So, like, so so I don't blame Zach for being like into her right away or mm-hmm. her being into him right away, you know, because he doesn't love a dude in a stupid hat. But yeah, no, it, it's a little intense for Zach to just automatically be like, Oh, I think Hannah's in trouble. I'm gonna break like, into her fucking house. I'm gonna YouTube <laughs> how to like pick a padlock. This like, shit's going down. Like even in Rear Window, he doesn't like break into the apartment right away because he thinks there's danger. He 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 spends time trying to be sure that there's danger. You know, Zach on the other hand is just like I'm fucking breaking in. He's I don't 16. Give a shit. <laughs> he's got he's got no reserves whatsoever. Yeah, but I love that he doesn't even think to himself of, like, is she going to think I'm weird if I break into her house for her? <laughs> like, I, I love like that teenagers it, are just so dramatic, you know? That's <laughs> part of what I love about this. I love that it doesn't occur to him that he's made a poor life choice until she almost bashes his head in with a baseball bat. And, like, that's the moment where he's just like, oh, this does not look good. <laughs> yeah, but look, so so ultimately, like, the, the thing with Hannah, though, that is why she's there, I think, is because it's... It's for both Zach and Stein because I think that, you know, with Stein, which we'll get into in a second, like, I, I think she's ultimately kind of a foil for both of them, right? Because Hannah is this, as we learn later, this ghost from one of his books, right? Hannah Hannah is this being that wants to live. She, mm-hmm. she loves life. She wants to live life, right? She mm-hmm. has all this, like, wonder and whimsy and magic you know about her and life and on the other hand stein is very much not that not at all yeah and and zach is this kid who's just lost his dad who has kind of shut everything down and kind of lost a lot of that you know sort of like wonder Mm -hmm. with living right and so hannah is kind of like you know again it's a kid's movie so so some of this symbolism is very very much on On the the nose, nose you know um, but Sam, but you know, Hannah is like literally the light, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for the two of them. And I, I say literally because she fucking glows. Well, she glows in the moonlight, right? And mm-hmm. like moonlight is what, but the thing is, is like moonlight is what exposes her as magical. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it takes, it takes light to show that she is in fact the light, if that makes any sense, you know? Yeah. So she's very much that for both of them. And like, you know, that's why when I watch this movie, you know, you, you see that she first shows up to Zach as he is moving this box and everything just kind of falls out of it because, you know, to me, like, boxes are basically these things that are full of memories and and books are similar, mm-hmm. you know, so it all ties together in this theme of, like, how how books and boxes, they're just these things that hold these memories and these feelings, you know, that, that we either cherish or ignore and shove down. And so her first appearing as all this stuff is spilling out of the box, it's like, you know, it's almost like Zach is kind of exposing the fact that he is just like, you know, em- embroiled in all these memories, right? He, yeah. He's he's suffering from all this sort of tragedy, mm-hmm. and she kind of pops up to sort of like offer a hand back to like, hey, let me help you back to the real world, you know? Yeah. I would say that you could um you could say a similar thing for the second time they meet and the first time they go off on an adventure because the second time they meet is when he's literally taking out the trash and he feels so shitty about everything. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious that he just kind of feels like his life 
again, on the nose, is garbage. And Hannah not only takes him away from all of that, but shows him the magic that you can find in the world if you just look because of the mysterious fairground that still has electricity <laughs> for some reason. I mean, look, I love the fairground, right? I because love that. Because, like, I mean, not only is it just cool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also loosely based on uh, One Day at Horrorland, the other Goosebumps book. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> Like, like, not only is it that, but, but you're dead on. Like, you know, that, that is what it's there for is it's, you know, like I, I never lost a parent, uh, but my parents did get divorced when I was around Zach's age. And, you know, I did go through this time where it's kind of like, you know, life just feels different all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you know, cause the first time that we have this sort of tragedy happened to us as kids which is what which is what a lot of goosebumps books were about you know they they always featured kids that were like moving to new towns or just lost somebody or were picked on by everyone you know they they were always these kids that were struggling in some kind of way mm-hmm. and and you know so so like i i've had that experience and so while i can't directly relate to zach you know i do know what it's like a little bit to have your family kind of broken up and it's like it's this is very dark time right you feel lost and so the thing that's so cool about the funhouse and and hannah taking him there is again it's it's hannah is sort of reigniting or trying to reignite this light and this childish wonder within zach right Mm -hmm. because that's what that scene's all about is it's it's literally you know this this little bit of wonder and whimsy just lost in this you know big piece of dark forestry right yeah so so like you said it's this idea that you can find these things even within the darkness and even when you're lost you know it's (laughs) there you just have to know where to look or you have to be willing to look yeah you have to be willing to go out into the world and look for you know these missing pieces i absolutely would have been the hannah to your zach because I was a latchkey kid, so I was just exploring the neighborhood all right. the time. And, and I was terrified of everything, yeah. so I also would have been like, Zach, of like, how the fuck do we get down from here? Is this safe? And you would have been like, come on, who, who cares? cares? We'll figure it out. So what if we fall to our deaths? No big deal. Yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> everything will be fine. Uh, but for me, that's kind of one of the reasons why, like, there's only one part in this movie where, like, I legitimately get a little bit pissed off. Okay. <laughs> and that's the moment. I'm mo- so mad at this kid's movie. <laughs> well, and that's the moment, and I get why it's in there and it's important, but it's the moment where Zach pulls R.L. Stein aside and goes, Hannah doesn't know that she isn't real. Mm. And it's one of those moments of, like, I get it. It's R.L. Stein and it's Zach really talking about grief and how they've kind of separated themselves from the world and how they have to re-enter it. Having said that, fuck you, Zach. She is more real than you are, you asshole. I mean, it's not like he's trying to be a dick about it. He's I like, know, he's but... Literally, he's literally just saying, like, she's a book character. It yeah, doesn't, but it doesn't matter if she I- exists in the world or not. She's a fucking book character who came out of a book. He fucked up. <laughs> he did not kiss the glowing, beautiful girl when he could have. What the hell are you talking about? He does kiss her as she's a ghost. <laughs> Eventually, when they're about <laughs> and, to say goodbye, and but the not... first And the first time he doesn't, it's just because they get interrupted. What are you talking about? <laughs> he keeps pulling away from her when she's gorgeous and glowing because, oh no, she's not real. Fuck you, Zach. Oh, I'm sorry not everyone's lining up to kiss a fucking ghost, Chris. <laughs> They're missing out. If I got a chance to kiss a ghost, I'd be making out with that ghost faster than you can, like, snap or some shit like that. Yeah, good luck getting a ghost STD. <laughs> I can't because they're dead. Uh, How am I going to get think... a ghost STD? 
You don't know what a ghost is carrying? What, you think just because they're I'm like on another... I'm going to get an STD from kissing? You think, you think maybe... Yeah, you maybe... You a 90s mom? Yeah, maybe you're going to get ghost herpes. I don't fucking know. You don't get that from <laughs> kissing, Matthew. Maybe you could in a ghost world. Anyway, look, different conversation. <laughs> but but the, the message is, be wary of ghosts, all right? You don't just go touching ghosts. Nope, I'm going to make out with them. <laughs> Done deal. All right, well, we're divorcing when you do. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, but no, look. So, so no. So that's what Hannah very much is. She she's the light of the movie and all mm-hmm. that, and and you know the light of kind of like trying to just bring Zach to the real world and get him you know back to normal basically, mm-hmm. or or back to just you know living life again. And meanwhile, on the other side of that is R.L. Stein and Slappy, <laughs> who this is another kind of fun relationship in the movie where R.L. Stein is basically like at the time that they meet him a warning of who Zach could become. Mm-hmm. And, and we all like to sit there and be like, oh, what, you mean a, a mega rich author who sold more copies of their books than Stephen King? That sounds great, you know? <laughs> and that does sound great. And that is actually a true fact. Um, <laughs> I love that this movie takes so many shots at Stephen King and R.L. Stein's relationship. No, it doesn't take any shot. It's not taking any shots at Stephen King. It's taking shots at R.L. Stein yep. for, you know, for, for the way people criticize him compared to Stephen King. And, and look, you know, I, I will say quickly, uh, to be fair to that criticism, like, you know, let, let's just be honest. I mean, R.L. Stein himself is is a ripoff master. Like, the thing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, yep. if, you ever, if you ever really study R.L. Stein's books, like, they're all ripoffs of something else for mm-hmm. the most part. Uh, he's ju- he's just really good at doing it and, yeah, ma- and making and, them for kids and, and making it his own story and for kids. I mean, he rips off things like Westworld, Child's Play, you know, <laughs> like like the, he, everything. He's touched everything just about. Mm-hmm. Um, but but no, but so you have Arl Stein and Slappy, and you know the Arl Stein in in the movie version is you know this this person who more or less is kind of like given up on life, you know. Yeah. Uh, this person who has is stopped writing, he which for writers is basically like stopping breathing, you know, it, it, like any of you out there who are any kind of artist or whatever, like, you know what I'm talking about? You know, when you stop doing these things, it's almost like you stop being who you are in a lot of ways. And, and so that's kind of what uh, Stein has done here is it's almost like he just stopped living entirely. And, and we also get this backstory, which I have no idea if this was what Stein's life was like growing up at all. But we get this backstory about how. You know, Stein was like a, a kid sick from allergies all the time, and so he started writing, which, you know, I mean, is how a lot of writers end up starting, because, you know, I, I was one of those kids who, like, I didn't have a lot of friends growing mm-hmm. up, and, and you know, so I was kind of alone a lot, and, and so, yeah, I started writing, and, and it's a way to kind of, like, you know, get out those demons and everything, and what Stein's kind of doing here is he, he's literally getting out his demons <laughs> onto, <laughs> onto the page and into these books, and he becomes sort of a warning for Zach of, like, if you continue down this path of just not giving a shit about life, you know, and, and not wanting to experience the wonder of it, then you're going to become me, this grumpy old <laughs> neighbor who just hates everybody, you know? <laughs> he is so angry for, like, 90% of this movie. Like, just yelling at all of the children in such a way that it almost feels like he's threatening to murder children, which I personally think is hilarious no, nobody else a children like jack black i'll tell you that um <laughs> <laughs> but but you get but you have this relationship with him and slappy and um we keep saying on the nose and the thing i want to point out here is that you know sometimes like on the nose doesn't necessarily a bad thing right no you know because because theme is important i do think that a good theme makes a better story and so 
and especially in a kid's story, you know, it's okay that the theme's on the nose. It's supposed to be. You don't you don't yeah. want kids like having to really struggle to think about what you're trying to say, you know. Uh, it's so, for the dum-dums like me to actually understand what the movie's trying to say. I get it. <laughs> I understand it with this one. Right. It's well, it, right. It's it's pretty in your face, you know. And And so like Slappy is, you know, he's basically just the the darkness inside of Stein. Mm-hmm. You know, he is him. I mean, our like Jack Black voices Slappy in the film because they're basically the same character. And, and it's really fun, you know, just looking at the design of Slappy. Because uh, he, he looks very different in the show as well. And the way, like, if you notice, the way that they kind of tried to design him in this is he looks a lot like sort of a young Jack Black version of R.L. Stein. Yeah. You know, you can sort of see how Slappy would be a younger version of him as a kid. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Slappy, in a lot of ways, is basically R.L. Stein as a child being this, like, super angry kid who just wanted to, you know, create all these monsters to torture his bullies and everything. And so that so he put that demon on the page and then Slappy coming out into the real world like he it, it's basically, yeah, like this darkness in him coming to life, essentially. Yeah. And I feel like we get that the most it's most on the nose when we have the funhouse mirror scene. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they basically do the, the, they do face, the half face. They, thing. they do the half face <laughs> split to, to show that they are one and the same person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think there's that. You also have the moment where Slappy's confronting R.L. Stein in the theater where R.L. Stein is forced to write this new Goosebumps book on the set of The Shining, which I fucking love. Oh, hilarious reference. It's so good. <laughs> um, but, you know, you have this moment with that where Slappy gets confused where he tells R.L. Stein, that's why I created you. Or did you create me? I forget. And that is so much of their relationship. It is, to your point, Slappy is the dark side of of R.L. Stein. But it's also, I feel like we really understand why Slappy is so upset throughout the entire movie. Because when he first comes out, he's just delighted. He is just so excited to play with his papa. <laughs> and come out, play with Papa. Papa! Papa! Oh, yeah. You know, play with his Papa and, you know, get up into some mischief and have some fun. You know, and when he finds out that that's not why he was brought out, that he was brought out by accident and he's going to be shoved back into a book where he doesn't get to live life, you know, that's really when Slappy goes off the deep end and is like, fuck you, I'm stealing all your books and releasing all the monsters. <laughs> and it's a really understandable thing because... On the one side, well, yeah, nobody wants to be a fucking prisoner. <laughs> exactly, and that's the thing. On the one side, you have Hannah, who is the light. She's trying to guide both of our boys to live their best life. And on the other hand, you have Slappy, who Slappy and all the rest of the monsters in this movie are not being given a chance to live their life. You know, well, and, and it's so much more insulting to not I, get to live your life when you watch your creator also not live the life he could. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about applying living their life to the monsters. It's more at least to Slappy. Well, well, the thing with Slappy is that, again, you know, a lot of this is kind of about your inner child, which, which is what many, you know, coming of age horror movies are yeah. about. Right. And and so with this, like to me, Slappy is he's basically Stein's inner child, which mm-hmm. Stein is suffocating. Yeah. You know, Stein has locked his inner child away. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that like the, the main core of what goosebumps kind of is here is that, you know, growing up is, is full of tragedy. It's full of darkness. Yeah. It's full of these bad things that happen that, you know, kind of take away some of that childhood spirit. But, but the thing that goosebumps 
like all of the books and the show and and this movie are trying to uh convey to the audience is that you know we always have that child in us it's kind of like it's kind of like a choice of ours of whether or not we give up the kid inside ourselves and and kind of you know cross over to just fully adulthood and being grumpy old adults <laughs> who who don't have that inner child anymore and yell at other or, children and yell at other children or we hold on to it and we hold on to that that wonder in the world right mm-hmm. and so what stein's done here is stein has decided to lock that child away which is slappy and granted you know he's a bit of a dark inner child fucked <laughs> up a little fucked up a little, a little, fucked up. little mischievous um, a little mischievous but 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 he has locked him away, you know, like the lot like putting him in the book is, is a symbol of him locking that kid away, right? So so of course it makes sense that Slappy is ultimately just like, well fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, now I'm gonna just destroy everything you know, right? So which I also like because the you know, when when I look at Stein's house, to me, even that house is sort of representative of like Arlstein's mind in the movie, because it's basically this place that no one is allowed to be in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for God's sakes, the basement is full of bear traps. <laughs> like, who the hell puts bear traps in their fucking basement, you know? People who have to worry about gnomes getting out. <laughs> I mean, yes, but <laughs> but on a deeper level, it's like, you know, that that's a person who does not want human contact, right? Yeah. Who does not want anyone in their life, except in this case, Hannah. Mm-hmm. And... You know, so, like, the house is just, it's this place that represents everything that Stein wants to keep out, as well as, like, everything that makes him who he is, which he has all locked away, you know? Yeah. And it's why, too, that I think we get this sort of image of the town being frozen by these aliens, which I do forget which novel they're from. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but this town, but this town being frozen by aliens, you know, it's, it's kind of this idea of like the, the town is being frozen because Zach and Stein are both these characters who are stuck in the past. Yeah. You know, Zach is stuck in, in a year ago with his dad passing and Stein is stuck in this past where he's just fucking angry at everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so so basically everything around them has frozen, which is also why I think there's a lot of clock imagery in the movie. Like not right. not just not just cuckoo clock of doom, but there's there's a lot of clocks in the film and a lot of like wheel and spinning imagery, you know? Mm-hmm. So like the Ferris wheel in the end. And to me that's just kind of again, this thing of like they're they're caught in a loop almost of of this own prison they've created. Yeah. I definitely agree with that, especially when we look at um, how kind of Slappy's responding to the world outside. Because if we look at Slappy as like, you know, R.L. Stein's darker side, R.L. Stein admits in the movie that he created these monsters to terrorize his neighborhood. Yeah. So, you know, Slappy not only is his darker side, but it's it's also his anger at not being accepted by the outside world. And so it really does make sense that when Slappy doesn't feel like he's being accepted by his papa, I'm going to keep using <laughs> papa because it's fucking funny, what? that not only does he like, it's not just about him going after R.L. Stein. It's about him releasing all the monsters and destroying everything. Right, which is what the monsters are. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it's not lost on me that the that the school name is, or that the school mascots are the devils. Which, by the way, I it I, is. Yes, which, I don't pay attention to anything apparently in movies. No, you don't. Uh, which which by the way is like, it, 
I mean, that's a common thing. Like mm-hmm. my like my high school mascots were the Blue Devils. <laughs> we were pine um, trees. <laughs> lame. Who the who I the know. hell who the hell gets intimidated by like oh we're gonna go play the pine trees today? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like I mean, our our we didn't really have a mascot because we were like a college prep school, so I guess you don't Jesus have mascots. Jesus Christ, your school is lame. Um, <laughs> There's less than a hundred of us. What do you want? <laughs> Watch out! Here comes the pine trees. <laughs> I wanted a mascot so badly. I would have. You made, had one, a pine tree. I would have made a pine tree mascot costume just for was, me to dance around in. Was your mascot just like a pine? Cone? We didn't have mascot. <laughs> Scots. Yeah, your school sucked. Um, so anyway, like, you know, so the, this, know. So the school uh, that Zach is in is, you know, their mascots, the devils. And that's what these monsters are. They're, mm-hmm. they're signs, inner demons, you know, yeah. they're, they're all these creatures that were created to, you know, in his mind to, to wreak havoc on the people he didn't like. And, you know, it's funny because uh, being familiar with like all the Goosebumps books, a lot of the creatures that we see released in the film are the ones that are most destructive mm-hmm. uh, in the books, you know, because in, in this film we see, you know, the abominable snowman of Pasadena, the the lawn gnomes, which themselves, like, their whole deal with their story is they're basically destroying this neighbor's yard, you know? Uh, the, the werewolf, which, of course, is like a fucking beast of carnage, you know? Uh, the giant mantis from Shocker on Shock Street, like... You know, the there are all these things which are are most capable of just destroying everything, and so you know, I, I think that that works for the film in which monsters we ultimately see. You know, like it makes sense that we don't see that that like the mummy isn't a big part of the movie, you know, yeah. or <laughs> or like uh, or like the jack o' lantern people, you know, like like we we get the ones that are that cause the most chaos possible mm-hmm. because they are just like Stein's inner demons wreaking havoc on the town and himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if you're gonna wreak havoc on an entire town, you need to release like a giant plant monster. That can just go everywhere. Although can be defeated by getting kicked in the face. Exactly. Which is why I am surprised that we don't really see uh, the, I don't know what I'll call it, the, the blob from Monster Blood. Mm-hmm. Like, we get the blob from the blob that ate everyone. Wait, <laughs> Goosebumps has multiple blobs? There are multiple blobs. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference the, between the blobs? Uh, oh, man, it's been so long. Um, so I don't, I don't remember the blob that ate everyone very well. But but I but Monster Blood was one of my favorites and the, and the deal with Monster Blood is it's basically like, uh, it's almost described as like this kind of like putty ish stuff right mm-hmm. that that comes in a can or something like that and it involves like a witch and all this kind of stuff and and basically you know it's similar concept though like Monster Blood eats people and gets bigger <laughs> and whatnot. Um, total rip off of the blob, but <laughs> like you do. Um, but yeah, it was just surprising to see that you know they used the blob that ate everyone instead of you know Monster Blood because Monster Blood was one of Stein's most popular stories. But um, like when you have multiple blobs, you just kind of have to go with blobs aside. You know, so so that that's what these things are, and and you know they work for Zach too because they're also you know to me they're also kind of representative of uh, the town itself because. Moving to a new place is scary. Like, I, I moved a lot as a kid, and, it, you know, it, it was always kind of difficult, right? Because you don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the new places and new people are kind of, like, scary to you, especially move, going to a new school. You know, so so I think that's also kind of what's going on here with Zach is that, 
you know, it's almost symbolic of like coming to a new town and everything to you is just like foreign and strange just and foreign and strange and terrifying you know yeah i definitely agree with that i didn't do the moving thing but i changed high schools or i went to a new high school and the school that i went to that we were just making fun of because of the pine trees was a k-12 school so i very much relate to zach because he went to a small town the thing about small towns is everybody knows everybody else Everybody knows everybody's business, and that's the way it was for me with my high school, because everybody had gone to school together for so long. There was 12 kids in my grade. Mm. In my entire grade, there was 12 of us, and only two of us were new. <laughs> um, like, it's that sort of a situation. And that's sense. Yeah, it's insane. But it's one of the reasons why, like, I can kind of understand with, with Zach, he doesn't really make friends that well because when that's the situation like how are you supposed to break into all those new friend groups unless you make friends I mean, with fucking champion i mean i would disagree that zach doesn't make friends that well because he makes two very good friends like immediately so. <laughs> okay to be fair he tricks champion into coming and helping him break so, into a house so what champion still wants to be like his new best friend he gives him his card chris that's a big deal so. <laughs> um but look i mean you know speaking of them it the other thing too here is that these these monsters, you know, being the destructiveness that they are, they're they're also sort of emblematic of like the self destructive nature of Zack and Stein, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like a very small thing to catch, but but you do have these earlier moments with Hannah where it's like every time Zack gets close to her, one of these monsters interrupts that, you know. So like when they're facing the abominable snowman of Pasadena in the skating rink. They're, they're both hiding behind the whatever, the snow machine. I don't remember what it's called because I'm a dumb dumb. Zamboni. Zamboni. Um, I don't watch hockey. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, they're hiding behind that, and, and they're very close to each other, you know? And you almost get this sense of, like, you know, slight romanticism there. And then, of course, the abominable snowman comes right in and, like, breaks them up, you know? And so I, I feel like that's kind of what's going on here, too, is, like, Zach is trying to find these relationships and every time he's getting close to people, just like when Stein gets close to people, these monsters kind of come in and interrupt that, you know, because they're not they're not allowing them to live again. They're 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 living so much inside themselves that these monsters are like taking over and kind of disrupting that. So I love how much meaning you find in the monsters of this movie, whereas I'm just like loving the fact that the werewolf in this movie acts more like a dog than a werewolf. That's what I took away from the monsters in this movie. <laughs> He but, likes squeaky toys and he barks and I love him. I'm a dorky writer, Chris. I try to find meaning in everything, even when it's not theirs. And I love that about <laughs> you. So again, I have no idea if any of this applies to Goosebumps. I think it does. It, it's it's for all of you to judge. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you know, but I mean, that's that's again, that's what I always loved about Goosebumps growing up is that you really like as a kid, you really connect to those to stories like this because they were always just about these outcasts and like these kids trying to figure shit out. And I was one of those kids, you know? So, uh, and so many of us like saw ourselves in the monster. So it was kind of like this nice thing of like, Oh, I'm both the hero and the monster. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, you know, so all of this brings us to the ending of the movie, which <laughs> fucking weird ass ending, which th this is the one part where I think I laughed out loud in the theater watching it because like, look, uh, for those for those who find it silly that Stein 
manages to write an entire novel as all these monsters are closing in on the school dance. Um, to be fair to that, he is a quick writer. Mm. I think that if I remember, I'm trying to remember the quote that he said where he, he basically, I think he writes his novels in like two weeks, maybe. Uh, they're, they're, they're typically a little over 100 pages. He tries to write about 10 pages a day. And, and the way that he does it, which I, I do think that this is the best way for writers to go, but everybody has their own style. The way that he does it is he outlines everything to death so that, you know, as he claims, you can't have writer's block when you outline chapter by chapter. But the idea that he could just sit down and write a fucking novel in, like, 30 minutes, you know, I mean, is pretty be, damn ridiculous. I mean, to be fair, in this case, he's literally just writing down what has happened. Yeah, it's still, I mean, just like he, what's physically humanly possible. It's just I don't, a diary. I don't know that anybody can write 100 pages in 30 minutes. Fair <laughs> enough. I do think it's really hilarious that then he tosses it to the teens who are in charge of writing the end of how the monsters get into the book. And it's one of my favorite things because it's just hand-wavy. Because literally, I want to say that Zach types up, and then Zach opened the book and closed his eyes, and all the monsters got sucked in. I'm like, how, Zach? How and why did they get sucked into the book? You just Doctor Who'd this shit. Well, no, he didn't, Chris, because it's already part of their world or, or part of the lore that these things become part of the book. So, of course, all he has to do is open it. <laughs> I like. The Looks like he... somebody didn't pay attention to the lore of the movie. <laughs> I did. I still think it's very hand-wavy, timey-wimey. Coming from a Doctor Who fan, where literally I, that's why I get to say it. <laughs> literally, for God's sakes, he has a fucking Batman belt with his screwdriver, where everything he needs to do is like, oh, I need to unlock this wooden door screwdriver. Hey, <laughs> it doesn't work on wood. Oh right, the one time it becomes <laughs> inconvenient for him. <laughs> oh, I need to fly screwdriver. <laughs> you know um, that's not true. <laughs> Anywho, this isn't about Doctor Who. This is about Goosebumps. No, this is about Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but look, you know, th this is this all works really well, too, because, again, it, it, it's at the school during the school dance, you know, and like so many coming-of-age stories, you know, it's it's the school dance, you know. Mm -hmm. all the, all Everything all... happens at the school dance. Yeah, I mean, that's the place where, like, you're supposed to, you know. Discover yourself. You're supposed to discover yourself, lose your virginity to prom, and all this kind of stuff, you know. It's where you're supposed to, like, grow up, basically, and. You know, so so I love that that's kind of where it happens, where all these monsters converge, because, you know, for for kids like Zach and for kids growing up, that that is kind of where all of that sort of happens, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> granted, it's not as destructive as a fucking praying mantis <laughs> ripping off the side of a building. Um, <laughs> can, can we just, I love the fact that the ending is very much like, you know, wrap everything up. Everybody learns a lesson. You have to get out of your shell. You have to live your life, blah, 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 blah. But can we talk about R.L. Stein's poor life choices at the very end of this movie? Because They're all poor life choices. <laughs> yes. But R.L. Stein makes the decision that the best way that he can go about reintegrating with life is to become a substitute English teacher for a high school. That sounds like a terrible idea. And also, he brings back his daughter to be fucked by the neighbor kid. Okay, well, so this is where, yeah, the, the movie <laughs> definitely loses me a bit here. Um, and this is why I do not like test audiences. So, <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, no, we, you know, all of that aside, what we were just talking about, uh, the substitute teacher thing, I mean, that's fine. Like, a lot of, a lot of writers do end up becoming teachers. Mm -hmm. That's okay. You know, like, when, once, once you stop kind of doing the craft, if, 
if you do give it up, which mm. again, I don't see myself ever doing that, but, but if you do like, okay, yeah, you want to teach others how to do it. That's great. Yeah, you know, that's so, awesome. so I don't, He's I don't a substitute. Who cares? The you gotta lowest start, of the low. You gotta start somewhere. <laughs> so like, I, I don't hold, I don't hold that against the ending, but yes, the thing with Hannah coming back is very much like a, what the fuck <laughs> movie, um, for so many reasons. So the reason this happened is because Hannah did originally like wasn't supposed to come back mm -hmm. and apparently the test audiences were like upset over that because they were you know like worried about hannah and like oh that's so sad that hannah you know is trapped in this book now or whatever uh, so so they decided to okay fine we're gonna bring her back uh, totally wrong decision in my <laughs> opinion because it's like because you know at, i mean as a kid maybe you see that and you're like oh yay hannah which mm -hmm. i can understand the decision in that sense but as an adult, it's like, okay, one, uh, she's still a fucking ghost and yep. not real. And <gasps> Hannah <laughs> is real. I will fucking bite you. You know what I mean? She she is literally a figment of imagination. So so the fact that Zach is gonna like date her now. Fuck her. Little little odd. And yes, ultimately fuck her. Again, you know, who knows what Teenagers. kind of who knows what kind of STDs you're gonna get from a fucking imaginary you can't book get person. STDs from a ghost. <laughs> You don't know that. There, you don't either. There is a movie about this, Chris. Um, <laughs> I forget. I forget the name of it, but there is a movie about a you woman who sleeps it, with a ghost it? and gets an STD. Nope. Uh, I don't remember. It doesn't exist. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, you know. So so really fucked up that like you know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the conversation is when they fight, you know, like, like, like they get into this big argument and she's like, I hate you. You're never there for me. He's like, you're not even real, Hannah, you know? Like, and that's the moment she dumps his fucking ass and she finds someone better. Right. I'm just saying, you know, some, some awkward fights coming their way in their future. Yep. And then on top of that, it's like, yeah, okay. Stein basically brings her back and then is like, hey, Zach, here's Hannah. Go have a good time fucking her. Here's know? my daughter. Go, go make out. Go fuck my ghost kid. You know? Yeah, it's so fucking weird. I don't like, like it. Like, it's all just so fucking bizarre. It does not work for me whatsoever. I mean, look, I get it. The happy ending, all that kind of stuff. But, um, but I mean, the other side of that is, like, Goosebumps were never about happy endings. Like, Goosebumps almost never ended happily from what I remember. You know, they were always pretty dark. So, again, just another, just another slap on the wrist of this movie where it's like, okay, uh, you know... I enjoy you, but you're not yeah. quite you're not quite a goosebumps story. <laughs> Can we I need to briefly bring this up of the fact that there's a moment where all the monsters get sucked into the book and I'm happy for the monsters because now you're they're ha I'm happy for the monsters. They all die. <laughs> okay, they're not dead, they're alive in the book, but at least You don't they, know what that life is like. <laughs> but at least they're together and they're not separate. They're so not they together. Friends. Well, okay, fine. But yeah, they're all in one book together. But the very, like, the twist ending is the fact that the invisible boy never got sucked up into the book. So I have to bring up the question. That's not is, a twist. Is he not a monster? I, that, I don't give a shit about it. That's not the twist ending. That's, that's a surprise ending. Okay, surprise. Whatever. They're different. <laughs> Stop fixating on the semantics and answer it's my question. It's not semantics. Fine. What's your question? My question is, why didn't he get sucked into the book? Is he oh. not a monster? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what use are you? <laughs> <laughs> how, the fuck, how the fuck am I supposed to read the mind of the screen? I have no idea. I mean, idea. if Hannah gets sucked into the book, why does it he? I have no idea. Maybe Stein forgot to write about, maybe he forgot to write the Invisible Man into the book. It's not like he would have <laughs> specifically wrote Hannah, my ghost daughter, gets sucked into the book. That's exactly what he writes in the book. He writes, 
Which begs another question of, like, why did he include Hannah? <laughs> right, why did they include her so she gets stuck into the book? There's a lot of plot holes at the end of this. Yeah, no, the, end, the ending is far from perfect. It's weird. <laughs> and, and, it, and it really speaks to, like, I love, I love uh, Jack Black's line where he's basically like, oh, brilliant idea, all of my monsters that i've ever created in one story because that's exactly how i feel <laughs> watching this movie i'm like oh brilliant every monster from goosebumps in one movie you know <laughs> which which again i i hate that i'm like dissing it so much because i know that a lot of people enjoy it but um it's charming but it has its problems exactly yeah it's charming but it's far from perfect yep. uh so okay so we gotta start wrapping up we're all little we're already a little over time so who's your killer idiot of goosebumps look that's fucking champ champion this dum-dum shows up for girls and decides to stick around for breaking and entering a house. Like, buddy, you say that you're a scaredy cat. You could have left at any moment of this. I can't believe you think it's Champ when we literally have a cop, Officer Brooks, played by Amanda Lund, who almost pulls out her gun and shoots Stein when he says he's an audiophile. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the cops are clearly always going to be idiots. The, the, the cops are the funniest. She is the funniest part of the movie to me, where, <laughs> where Stein's just like, you know, explaining why they heard a scream. He's like, I'm an audiophile. And she's like, excuse me? You know, and starts to pull out a gun <laughs> to shoot him, which which I love because, it's yeah, it's the ultimate dumb cops. Like, cops yep. cops are always dumb in horror stories and, and honestly real life. And <laughs> so it's just really fun to... To see them just, like, totally go overboard with her in this. <laughs> I just love that both of the cops are so ready to shoot a child and an adult and just fuck off. It's very real. Yeah. You know, that, that's basically cops in it's America. Cops. Like, <laughs> oh, what's that? You're carrying a lollipop? Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Goosebumps nails cops. Uh, Goosebumps nails cops. Uh, so what about your killer creature in Goosebumps? You Obviously the vampire poodle. That vampire poodle is fucking dope, and I kind of wish I got to see what the fuck it does other than, like, have a scary-ass face. You saw what it does. It floats. <laughs> it does. It does float. It's a weird vampire poodle. I do have to have a second place for the lawn gnomes, but I also love them because I know how much they scarred you. So, special place in my heart for them. Ah, oh, fuck you. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're not allowed to have yeah. lawn gnomes because of this Goosebumps story. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> yes, I, I was afraid of lawn gnomes as a kid. I still a little bit am because they creep me out. Um, and I will say that the Goosebumps episode with the lawn gnomes actually makes them pretty fucking scary. Like, like there's some great – because they, they did it in such a way where the costumes – they use real people, but the costumes look – porcelain oh cool you know so so they it really makes them look like these walking porcelain creatures um we're you gonna know, watch the, this episode tonight the the beauty of practical effects again <laughs> i i always say practical over digital i don't fucking care every single case i know the practical sometimes looks cheap and whatever i'll i'll take i'll take it's real better. i'll take real over fake anytime um but but yeah no uh the lawn gnomes they're hilarious in this mm -hmm. Uh, they're really fun. I, I do enjoy them in this movie. They're not as scary, but... <laughs> no, but they're, they're fun little dudes. Uh, but my killer creature is, of course, the World Fever Swamp. Because how oh, am I not going to choose that? And I do love that they made it somewhat of a main character, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we do get a whole sequence with it. That was great. What about your... Oh, and I'm I'm literally wearing a Werewolf Fever Swamp Goosebumps shirt as we speak. So. <laughs> Fucking nerd. I love you. Uh, what about your killer MVP of Goosebumps? Uh, look, that's uh, Odessa Rush for her portrayal of Hannah because she is my favorite part of this movie. So much snark, so much life, and, like, she's just awesome. I love her, so she wins. Yeah, I mean, mine, mine is Jack Black as Stein. Like, I, just, I, I can't decide about his fucking accent. You're too focused on the accent, Chris. I am. I, I don't know why you're so focused on the accent. He's just a character. He's I a character. Know. What's wrong with his accent? I don't know. 
I did. I can't. I can't parse it out. There's just something about it that makes me want to punch him in the face sometimes. Rude. Um. No. I think. I think Jack Black is great in this. I love yeah. his portrayal of R.L. Stein, and, and he really does bring like an energy to the movie that might <laughs> not exist without him. So. <laughs> I do love the fact that Jack Black and R.L. Stein traded roles because we get that one cameo with R.L. Stein where he gets to be Mr. Black, the trauma teacher. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I would have loved to see his portrayal of Jack Black. It'd be it'd be interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> again, Stein is a very reserved person. That's why I, I want tell. it. <laughs> uh, all right. So every week on Twitter at Killer Critics, we always put up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings and what you think of the movie. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where you think the audience fell on goosebumps. I really have no fucking clue with this one. You never know. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I am very confident about what the answer is or what I hope it will be. This time, I'm gonna go with it's fine. Uh, so that is correct. Uh, so Love It got 30.9%. It's Fine got 38.3%. Don't Like It got 7.4%. And Never Seen It got 23.5%. So pretty yeah. pretty evenly split on this one. Uh, doesn't really surprise me at all there. Uh, so we always take uh, comments from you all as well. So these are all from Twitter. First up is at UnitedRhinos72. So that's United rhinos and then the numbers seven two and they say i thought it was fine and good fun my two kids had a blast with it and it's one that they revisit quite often and that's the most important part about this movie is the fact that your kids love it and they like rewatching it and that's what we want out of a movie like goosebumps so it succeeds in that sense yeah couldn't agree more i mean that that's the thing with me is like you know i, I always see these fans sometimes that uh, that give movies like this such shit because they're like, oh, it's not true to my childhood, and you know, like, how dare they make this movie and all that kind of stuff. And I'm always just like, fuck off. Yeah, it's not for you. Like, it's not for, everything's for you. It's for the it's for the next generation to get into. It. Like, we should be happy that there are kids watching this movie that get excited about it. That you know, perhaps want to go read Goosebumps after this. You know, yeah. so like, so so I think that's great. I love hearing that. So thank you at United Rhino seventy two for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Ba Film Shaw. So that's B A H Film S H A W. And they say, I found its vibe quite fitting. It's a fun time and full of references to the source material. I saw it with my son when it came out, and we both enjoyed it. Not really something we revisit, but I would recommend it to people who haven't seen it, especially those with kids. Yeah, and that's it at the end of the day. This is a fun movie. It's fun for kids to watch. And look, every generation needs its its hocus pocus, its gate. And that's what Goosebumps is. Right, exactly. Less scary than those two. <laughs> Much less scary than the gate. Uh, yeah. But but no, I, I completely agreed. And I, and I love hearing this as well. You know, I, I love any story that's like, my kids love Goosebumps. We enjoy watching it together. Because uh, that's what movies like this are for. You know, they're, they're for us older horror fans. To, to kind of get to experience stuff like this with kids, you know, mm -hmm. with our kids. And and then, you know, hopefully see, like, our kids get into the stuff that we enjoy. So This is how we drag them down to our level. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we trick them into liking the things that we do. Exactly. Uh, so so thank you at Ba Film Shaw for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at no underscore MJ. So that's K-N-O-W underscore MJ. And they say, to quote Tony from Hack the Movies, it's fine and fun. I love seeing all the references to the books, and Jack Black is always a treat. 
Jack Black is always a treat. He is a gift to I us. I thought his accent was weird, His Chris. accent <laughs> is weird, but he's still a gift, and I'll fucking fight you on that at least. You don't have to fight me because he was my MVP. You're the one who's <laughs> like, I don't like Jack Black in this movie. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like him. I just am having a hard time with the accent. So he's not, so he's not as much of a gift for you, is he? <laughs> Uh, look, no, I completely agree. I think I think Black's always great. You know, yep. I love Jack Black and just about everything he does. And that's about how I would describe the movie. It's fine and fun. It's not mm-hmm. one that I love, but it is a good time. It's fun. It's a fun watch. Not when I revisit all the time, but but it's enjoyable. Yeah. You know, it's entertaining. And that's and that's really all you can ask for. So, uh, so thank you at no underscore MJ for the comment. Appreciate it. And then next up is a comment from at Fat Kelly Bundy. So that's Fat K E L L Y B U N D Y. And they say somehow the sequel was better. I don't know. I remember seeing the first one and being like, eh, but watching the sequel multiple times. I know that we've seen the sequel once. I feel like I do <laughs> like the sequel because there's gummy bears involved. We have seen the sequel, and I would agree. I don't actually remember the sequel very well, but I do remember liking it better for some reason. There are I, gummy bears, though, right? I think think so <laughs> i feel i don't know that i don't know if that's a you thing that you're making up or not but i think i think there might be gummy bears i i think i think my reason for liking the sequel better probably and i'm saying this as someone who does not remember it very well was probably just because at that point i expected I, I had a better expectation of what i was getting into going in yeah of like what to what to expect from this goosebump story and, and i think if i remember correctly too it made slappy more of like the main protagonist or antagonist of the movie. So, so I don't know. I can't really speak to why I remember liking the sequel better, but I do agree that I think I liked it better. So, <laughs> uh, so thank you at fat Kelly bunny for the comment. Appreciate it. And then next up is a comment from at Sean J Travers. Hopefully I said that. Okay. Probably not. Uh, so that's S E A N J E T R A V E R S. And they just say, love it. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Yep. Yeah, no, same here. And and by the way, uh, this person is absolutely hilarious. I follow their Twitter. They make me laugh like every day. So, <laughs> so go follow them if you can. But uh, so thank you at Sean Travers for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, so as far as releases go this week, uh, quite a, quite a few good stuff actually. So first up is a film called Salome. Hopefully I said that okay. I don't know. Uh, and this is on Shutter at the time that you're listening to this. And this is basically. I'm not. I don't want to spoil it, so I don't really want to say a lot about it. Uh, but it's basically a film about a trio of mercenaries who are extracting a drug lord out of uh, Guinevisso. I probably said that incorrectly as well. Uh, and they happen upon some horror, and so I really. <laughs> <laughs> they happen <I> <laughs> upon some horror. I fucking I love that. Best description ever. <laughs> I, I don't want to say more than that, but it's a very cool movie, very stylish. I actually like the first half a lot better than the second half. Um, it, it's it's got kind of like that from dusk till dawn sort of vibe, Ooh. where it's like a very different movie for the first half compared to the second half. Uh, but but it's very it's very good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So check that out on Shutter. Uh, the the new series from Shutter, 101 Scariest Horror Movie Moments, is also now on there. At the time that you're listening to this, uh, I've seen the first couple episodes. It's great. Very much reminds me of Bravo's uh, series about the best horror movie moments. It's one of my favorite types of shows. Oh, it's great, and and I love their selection so far. I love the discussion around it. They 
they don't always pick like a specific moment for the movie and kind of do like a sort of general discussion about the film and what makes it scary, which, which I actually enjoy. You know, I kind of like hearing people talk about like why the movie as a whole is frightening, mm-hmm. uh, but that's excellent. So if you're into that kind of stuff, check that out. And last is a film called Barbarian, which is in theaters on Friday. I have not seen this yet, but everything I've heard about it is that it's fucking amazing and to go in as blind as possible. Uh, all I can tell you from what I've seen with it is it's about a woman who arrives at a house that she has rented and someone else is already staying there and invites her to stay for the night while they figure things out. And then, of course, awful shit happens. <laughs> uh, but this one looks absolutely terrifying. I have heard nothing but good things about it. Uh, so definitely go check that out if, if you can. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing The Monster Squad, yes. which is weirdly not streaming, and <gasps> why I also say physical media forever, because there's no reason you shouldn't be able to watch The Monster Squad on streaming. Uh, but we'll be doing that next week, so do your homework there if you want. Check that out. Uh, otherwise, that's going to do it for us on Goosebumps. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at KillerFromSpace, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans. Thank you.